Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Makeup, you can use it as a as a thing to enhance what you are, all the qualities you have, not just the outward ones. Or you hide behind it to mask something else. So either you mask it or you enhance. Hello and welcome back to Beautiful Lives, the podcast in which I, Madeline Spencer, invite a guest to reflect on the parts of their life story where beauty rituals or products have played a role and how what they saw in the mirror or perceive they saw in the mirror has had an impact. Today, I'm joined by the makeup artist and beauty industry pioneer, Ruby Hammer MBE. Ruby CV is hugely impressive. She's created looks for Vogue, Elle, Harper's Bazaar and Marie Claire and has offered wisdom on the BBC, GMTV, This Morning and Channel 4. But Ruby didn't quite set out to be a beauty expert per se. She studied economics, thinking a career in the UN might beckon. But life had something else in mind for her and the interest in beauty she'd harboured became a job after a chance encounter and from there, there was no stopping her. Ruby tells this story in the episode, along with G telling how she faced challenges like attending school, having immigrated, and her divorce. Here's Ruby. I have been looking at your life story, and there's so much about it that I want to ask you. I think we'll just dive straight into when you were <laughs> okay, younger. let's do that. So you were born in the early 60s. Yes. To Bangladeshi parents in Nigeria. Well, technically, they were... Bangladesh was East Pakistan before Fine. it was Bangladesh. So, yes, we were from East Pakistan. And my mum was seven months pregnant with me when they first went out to Africa. My mum was only 17, so she was a very young woman. And we descended in Africa. I was born there, and I lived there for 12 years. I juggled three languages all in one go. So it was English, because it was still an official... English uh, was the official... Nigerian language so if you went to school and you spoke in the local dialect and they have many dialects but we were in northern Nigeria so I mm-hmm. spoke a dialect called Hausa and I spoke Bengali at home which yep. is my mother tongue and English at school okay. if you didn't speak English or any other language you had you were caned you literally had to it was time of court punishment you had to get your hands out bang bang we juggled three languages. When somebody says, what are you like as a person? I sort of say, my early years are African. They're wild because there was no TV. There was no... Um, you, you just had to entertain yourself with, yeah. with your friends, with what you eat. It, it was just freedom. It was like, it really is wild. You said your parents way. loved the lifestyle what was the lifestyle for them? Well, at that time, Nigeria was a huge country and a very successful country, and it had federal states, 12 states like they do in America. And he was an ambitious man, and he was a very competent man, so he mm-hmm. ended up being chief medical officer. He progressed, yeah, and he became somebody who's almost as big as England and Wales. Mm-hmm, you know, like, mm-hmm. he would have... So you can imagine for their money, you know, we had a gardener, we had a cook, we had night watchmen, mm-hmm. we had a car, we had a lovely house, we had schools. So you had support and help that might have been harder for him to have done at home. Yeah. But he was also, they loved him. His mm-hmm. staff 
loved him. His his and he was a very passionate doctor. And mm. I always thought when I was growing up, I would grow up like I imagine my dad in a white coat walking in front of me, and I'd be there, hand behind my hand, I'd be walking <laughs> along, and we'd be Ahmed and Ahmed. My maiden name is Ahmed, and I was going to be a doctor too, and all of that. That was mm-hmm. my dreams. Mm-hmm. But my mum being young. She would have all these magazines that would come once a month and you would be like keeping your ears open to hear this ding 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 bell because he used to bring all our comics, you know, Jack and Jill, Beano, all these other Richie Rich, mm-hmm. American magazines, British magazines, newspapers, all these things that, and would devour them like in a few days mm-hmm. and then you'd have to trade yeah. <laughs> off everyone. We watched a lot of Bollywood movies because mm-hmm. it was always every night after dinner we'd go out and you'd sit outside and it was projected on the thing so I learned how to speak Hindi which is not my natural tongue just by watching these films and was your mum having fashion magazines delivered then she did have fashion magazines but she always wore a sari but it would be so imagine these are the 60s and getting into the 70s but she would have she had like wig stand so she'd have the short wig then she'd have these ringlets and she'd have these things you'd put back and wow you know, so she'd put wigs on every day just, no no not every day oh, but, but, she but would for occasion she was a housewife you know yeah. my mum was a housewife with three kids running around they'd have kitty parties they'd mm-hmm. have charity things they'd be whatever but then when she cleaned up and got ready you would have this and as my father got higher and got promoted you'd have lots of you know you had independence day celebrations and my mum became an accomplished cook so they would love to eat what she cooked and they entertained a lot I can still vividly remember like it's probably Gucci or Pucci or something Mm -hmm. like that but she had the chiffon so people would wear the little dresses she wouldn't wear the dress she always wore a sari but it was in that Pucci print Ah, so my dad would come to Italy or Milan or in England or wherever Mm -hmm. he was for work and then he would make sure he bought six meters she would wear that as a sari you'd yeah. have a go-go belt like gucci she'd have the sort of false eyelashes so she did all of that she was yeah. up to date and modern yeah but in her way so she looked to me like a bollywood star did she know? wear a lot of makeup she did wear she did okay. experiment and you know she did one day it'd be this sort of liner that went like i yeah, said yeah, yeah. depending she enjoyed it and i yeah. and i and I was probably inspired from a very early age in that, seeing, my oh, my God, the transformation of mum. You know, mm. she's very practical, cleanliness free, cooking at home, but and the next minute she showered and ready and made up. Yeah. And wow. And then she'd kiss us and you'd be sniffing her and looking at her. Or sometimes I'd stand at the bottom of her dressing yeah. table watching her get ready. Yeah. So that's where the, the, the love or the passion or be able to see the transformative mm-hmm. quality of what makeup does. Do you remember anything specific she used? She used. I remember she used to have Joy perfume, and this is the other thing. If she if she came with my dad or we all came abroad, then she would do her shopping herself. Right. Um, but if she was giving lists, it was always these lists given to dad. Mm-hmm. Like, can you buy that Revlon lipstick or that Elizabeth Arden? Mm-hmm. I think Estee mm-hmm. Lauder. That's probably where I've got the thing where I love a bit of experimentation. I mm. never, because I never saw my own mum just with the boring same look all the time yeah. going to work. It was always to change with saris and outfits are colourful and mm. different ones. You don't wear the same one every day. So she would adapt. And when you were looking in the mirror in your, you know, let's say when you were about 10, around that age, were you excited 
to render that transformation on yourself? So my mum was a bit more fair-skinned than I was. She was five foot two and she was not curvy-curvy, but she was built. Whereas I was like my dad, bone thin and darker, but only because we went to school from seven to one. You'd be home by one and then you're supposed to go home and change eat your dinner and siesta. Mm. I sort of crawl in there, see that my mum gently snoring away, gently blowing her breath. Yes, and that was me. I would be then on my bike, out. Mm. I was a tomboy, so I was not like a girl or very feminine. I used to be Mm. pitch black. (laughs) Mm. And my hair was always a bit, you know, my nickname was like Mowgli because I looked like a skinny little boy, Mm -hmm. fascinated, but never thought... That'd be me because I was so much like a little wild boy. Yeah. So then you left Nigeria when you were 12. We left Nigeria when I was 12. And I think my dad came to the understanding that he thought, you know what, there's a wind of change in Africa. I've come of age. We need to have proper education now. We need to settle back what the game plan was years ago. Mm -hmm. And we were on vacation in the UK and... The civil war started between East Pakistan and West Pakistan. So he's given up a job. Mm-hmm. You can't take our family to a war zone, can he? So we were stuck in this end. We loved it because we had just TV and you could eat strawberries and cream. No school. Mm-hmm. could watch telly all day long and all that, squabbling over the TV. Mm-hmm. And it was a big room and we had two suites. And, you know, like my dad was hard-working, yeah. well-off. Yeah, those he'd standards. done well. You know, yeah. he'd done well. But he wasn't a businessman, he wasn't anything. It was all salaried and it was his income and he earned it. Yeah. And paid his taxes and all of that. But so... And he could afford to pay the bills and we thought, oh, we'll be here a few weeks and then we'll be going home. Mm-hmm. Well, that didn't happen. So eventually, he was a bit eccentric. He went downstairs, there was having an auction. And in the auction, he put his hand up and he bought a house in Putney. And he literally came upstairs and told us all to get dressed, put our coats on and everything. And we went on this long cab drive from Oxford Street to Putney. Mm-hmm. And then this was a house. It needed doing up a little bit. But then he found a job, put us in school. Mm-hmm. And that was 73 and we never did go back. How was the shift for your parents? Um, I think they were very uh, pioneering in their own way. You know, like... They, they they went from Asia to Africa, from Africa to Europe. Mm-hmm. So somewhere in them, they were able to see that it's it's more about the love and the relationships you build. It's not just the material, one country, one not, as long as we were a nuclear family. My dad would always say, this is us, mm-hmm. and we can cope with everything else as long as we are all together. And it's quite intriguing because now, my father died, uh, 14 years ago my mother died seven years ago and they're buried in Kensal Green if somebody has then lived their bulk of their life we lived many years in Africa but then we've lived the bulk of it here and then you've actually lots of Asians and other people when they pass away their bodies are shifted back to where mm-hmm. they were born mm-hmm. and done but mm-hmm. both my parents chose to be where we were so that we could go and pay our respects and they chose this country so this is I think that that's the most, um, I don't know, I just think that that's the way, you can't really say we've got two legs in two different nations, we have mm-hmm. our inherent culture, mm-hmm. I have Africa in me, but this is our home, this is yeah. where we put our roots down, this is where my intellectual, you know, friend, if I think, I think my heart thinks, 
the emotions and everything is quite Asian. Mm. And the wild bit, the fun bit is African. And mm. my intellect, my formative years were here. So my right. intellect is definitely Western. You yeah. know, it is, it is yeah. British Rooted in particular. Here. So when you were 13 and you're living in Putney. Yes. New country, new culture, you know, new weather for sure. That, that was probably <laughs> the worst bit was the weather. What challenges did you face? I think, like everything, like I remember going to school um, and uh, and we were very disciplined in how, you know, as soon as an adult, I went to a comprehensive school. One of my brothers went to a, a different comprehensive school and my youngest brother, who was very bright, went to a grammar school and he got scholarships all his life. But mine was a mixed um, co-ed comprehensive school and I remember as soon as an adult walked in a teacher or adult I just stood up and you were like that and then they'd be saying like oh yeah I bet you she's one of them Patels bet you she doesn't understand English so she might have to be sent to those remedial classes but mm. I just didn't speak I've made up for it now in my life because yeah. I can't stop talking yeah but um it was like you did not speak unless you were spoken to you stood up unless you were told sit back down and it yeah. took probably two years where any adult came my my friends or whoever in class would be like holding your back of your short like that like stop yeah, you getting up yeah. because it made them look bad and I'd go home and say mum can't believe it they're so cheeky they they answer back to their teachers and mum would say well never mind they can do what they want you do not do that they're yeah. your gurus they're your teachers mm-hmm. and they are almost uh, you know, you respect your parents, you respect mm-hmm. elders, but you respect a priest or a divine god or whatever like that. Yeah. That sort of... Yeah. That's it. Level. So I knew by law I'd have to go to school till I was 16. Mm-hmm. So I always did my homework, but I was allowed to have fun. And was makeup part of your teenage life? Yes, extremely. Okay. So, so this is when it was coming out, my mum's sort of influence in that... Up until I was about 14, I wasn't allowed any makeup. I could just do two little black lines, like, just at the corner there. And it was mm-hmm. a bit more of a Muslim-Asian thing that you could just put a bit on Eid or a big festival or equivalent of Christmas, just a tiny bit. Yeah. But wasn't allowed anything else. And then as I got older, and, you know, you can see that girls were experimenting, and my school allowed makeup, weirdly enough. Mm-hmm. I mean, not big things but they're allowed so I would sit there and look at my mum's magazine and try to match that up to myself and I Mm -hmm. think it was in days of minors makeup miss selfridge boots no seven probably none of this space nk and all of that then when I was 16 I was actually a uh, Saturday I had a Saturday job in Harrods Mm -hmm. and that was really to be able to have discount so that you could buy some makeup buy the magazines and then I realised I used to make myself up, do my friends. I was useless at my hair and mm-hmm. still pretty am useless. Yeah, yeah. So they would do a bit of that. So if we were going to a disco or, or club or whatever, uh-huh. you know, my mum would feed us. I would do makeup. Somebody would do my hair and off we go. So from yeah. then it was just that. And I had my bedroom wall had all the models of that time. So yeah. Iman's, the Janice Dickinson's, the, the 70s. A lot of the dark hairs on, you know, like Bianca Jagger... And I'd have all that on my wall and yeah. try and copy their makeup and things like that. I didn't even know what a makeup artist was. I just liked the models, like, oh, yeah, this person's done the hair. Yeah. Ray Brandy's done the makeup, whatever yeah. that is. Yeah. But at that point, makeup was quite avant garde, wasn't it? Like, we're talking 70s London. Like, that was quite a big it, time it was, for but makeup. It's not like I was going club. I was still only no. 16. My 
bus ride would be from wherever it was coming into town or not, and you'd see it would go past the 28 buses to go past the King's Road, mm-hmm. 22 past Putney, onto the King's And then you'd look at the punk rockers and you'd see the rockabillies, you'd see mm-hmm. other stuff or little bits of what you saw, the soul things on... That was easier to do because I was... Yeah. My colouring. Yeah. It's hard to be a bit Jerry Hallish if you can't, but you still work it yeah. that way. Yeah. And I used to love the way punk rock you know not not the sort of the the really rebellious part of it I thought my god look how did I do that with black eyeliner like so mm. beautiful they wouldn't have allowed that at school but I like that and I'd do it into a smoky eye but mm-hmm. still tone it down because it wasn't my kind of music but I I still liked how they pulled it off and I could still so there was obviously something there yeah, yeah. that wasn't very um it wasn't like I'm going to be a maker it wasn't mm-hmm. any of that did you feel any pressure from your parents to do a... Uh, no, they, they the, never no. had that sort of... They weren't those sort of Asian parents okay. and they weren't that sort of parents anyway. Okay. Like, this is where probably, I mean, the pressure was, and it wasn't really... I don't really think of it as a pressure because it mm. wasn't done to me and then differently for the boys. So it wasn't sexist. It wasn't like my dad treated me one way and treated the boys one way. It was yeah. just all of us. We're in a new country. We're immigrants we have been given the advantage of a free education. Mm -hmm. He said, do you know how many people die to be able to have that right to be educated? And here you are getting, you know, it's paid for, you can go. The privilege of that, you mustn't abuse that. Mm. The right to vote, you mustn't abuse. It doesn't matter who you vote for, you would never be like, who did you vote for, you this or you that, but, like, you must never give up that right. Right. Because, again, people have died for that mm-hmm. or for a nation to be called that to have these things and for him it was just like man or woman you have to be educated Ruby and for him basic education was to university level because mm-hmm. then he says you couldn't earn a living because that's how people used to think so he was part of a generation mm-hmm. but it wasn't that you have to be a doctor like me because that was obvious by the time I was going to do my O levels when I was 16 I only liked biology out of the sciences so the A-levels were English, history and economics. Okay. And then at university, I did economics. But I thought with economics, I could do something where I could work for the UN. My my mother's eldest sister used to work for the UN, and I would have done that. Mm-hmm. Or I could work for the diplomatic corps in the embassy or something. So mm-hmm. it would have involved a little bit of that still people, travel broadening your mind you know yeah that kind of thing I always had so aside from your experience at Harrods you basically had fostered an interest in beauty and cosmetics but you know you hadn't worked in it then you do your economics degree and then how did you sort of swerve into the beauty industry from when I finished my degree my mum used to who's never worked in her whole life she then used to run an Indian restaurant in Dean Street called the Red Fort okay and so she ran it and then she said Ruby now that you've got your degree, do you know what you want to do? Are you going to take a gap year, go on to do your master's? What are you going to do? Mm. Write your CV. So she said, look, while you're doing that, September to December is a really busy time for us. Um, so come in and earn some money and you can do what you want to do. So on my first Were you living day, at home at this point? Yeah, yeah. I've, I've always lived at home. Yeah. In that way, we're very Asian. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Including the boys. Mm-hmm. Um, 
uh, my one of my brothers lived at home until my mum died, so it's like that's how it is. <laughs> so it was very strange to my Western friends. Mm-hmm. It's not very strange to us. That's the way it is. Yeah. Um, so I met my then husband, who was very friendly with the makeup artist, and she was doing all the shows at the time, and they used to be at the Duke of York barracks mm-hmm. and then he introduced me to this makeup artist and she was just frustrated one day she came in for drinks and she said oh god one of my assistants broken a finger and the other one's not very reliable and I'd never done anything but um she said all right then Ruby and she flung this pass at me and it was one of those access all areas yeah. she just threw that at me and she says all right then I'll see you at four mm-hmm. and I went what four in the morning and she said, well, the show's at 9.30 and we've got 35 girls, so when do you think you want to turn up? And I was like, um, I'll be there at four then. Mm. And my mum gave me a lift, you know, mm. in the morning, went all there. And it wasn't like I knew what to do. I didn't. I organised her. I was watching and so learning. And did she have her kit and then you used her? I didn't her... have a kit. Yeah, yeah I was going to say. So... I just had the, my personal ones. And yeah. in those days... I had really beautiful skin. I didn't need concealer mm-hmm. or foundation. Yeah. I had every colour of eyeshadow and every colour of blusher, every colour of that. But you gradually, you know, she'd give you her rejects yeah. and yeah. you'd start to build up a kit. Okay. But initially you were going in and watching no, her and helping watching her, her, her kit. and organising yeah. her. Like she yeah. did a lot of shows, she did a lot of commercials, she did some shoots and it went on from there. By that time I'd also married within mm-hmm. a year mm-hmm. and I'd had my baby, the the in 86 so were you so, working through your pregnancy yeah, I was assisting I was just an assistant so it's not like if, so when my daughter was young it wasn't like I'm a full-blown makeup artist I wasn't I'll still be that and my mum was alive and lived very near mm-hmm. so if you've got a job you're like mum I've got a job I've yeah. got a job and then yeah. you know you're planning it's like so yeah. so she'd be fed and I had a living au pair yeah so and you know, we're told about it's like I've got a job, Mum. So you're going to have to tide this over because I don't know when I'm coming yeah, back. Yeah, and, you know, yeah. all of that. Not travelling abroad or anything like that. Just, yeah, just the regular jobs and regular. Mm-hmm. So everyone thinks it happens in one go. It doesn't. It's mm-hmm. a very slow, progressive, forward-looking and career. I've at had. that point, would you say that you were ambitious? Would you say that you were looking forward and thinking, I would like to be the makeup artist doing magazines? Yes, because yeah. I did do some magazines. I used to do things like more magazine, and I did some of these other, whatever those. They weren't great magazines, but they paid you. And when you get that first, because with her it was probably ten quid or five quid or something, and your expenses. It wasn't anything wow. Yeah. So to be given some money for something and it was you know she she would double book herself on jobs and then that was one of the first jobs mm-hmm. I got was mm-hmm. she'd say look you're gonna have to do that last day because mm-hmm. I'm going to Germany and you're gonna have to and I was like how am I gonna how am I gonna you'll be fine and you know then you do it and she didn't pay you her rate but mm-hmm. from her rate she'd give me you know a few hundred quid and that yeah. was like oh my god I'm like died and gone to heaven so yeah. I think it was there and I think I was always quite driven and ambitious yeah not at the expense of and I and I take that from a bit from my dad where family is still the most important but that doesn't mean you don't push yourself to that and then when it comes to the point where it's either or you make a decision where if you're Mm -hmm. able to do your work without compromising your family then that's what you do so you use everything possible so Mm -hmm. yes I did have a drive in me that Mm -hmm. I wanted to succeed because I didn't see many Asian makeup artists yeah you didn't see many makeup artists period and 
gradually as I got better and I did L magazine and mm. I did that and you know they'd refer to you as Ruby Hammer L makeup artist L makeup artist doing this yeah. you do trips you do things you do campaigns you do all kinds of things then mm-hmm. and you're earning money and you're doing a show I did loads of shows at that time in mm. in that time because um, you know like John Galliano John Flett all the big designers of that time and I mm. remember one of the last big shows was John Galliano before he went to Paris mm-hmm. and it was Stéphane Marais who I just used to look at as God but he wanted so I, I didn't get that show I wasn't the lead he was the lead but he wanted somebody an assistant with experience mm-hmm. that he could actually and understood his feeling mm-hmm. you wouldn't have to say do this and do that you know like it's not like now now they're like all the assistants are like not just fledgling like we were learning on the job and doing it. They're like super. They all have had to have learned and come like to assist someone like Pat McGrath now, yeah. or Val, yeah. or Di Kendall. We wouldn't have been able to do, you know. Yeah. But now the level of experience you get is because there is these things. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. You mentioned in passing that your life has sort of had some undulations that you'd had a divorce and then you'd moved and then you'd remarried. And I'm wondering for you, those are very challenging things to happen in a life and to have a young child. Did cosmetics or makeup play any part in being like a touchstone for your, in your routine? Well, I've, I've had to examine because you've had over the long career that I've had and the loads of interviews I have done, whether it was with the brand Ruby and Millie or anything like that, you've, you've had to... You know, some people just look at it superficially. What's the lip, What's the best lip colour for me, out of your range, or this or that? And then there's some other people that I've had the privilege of being interviewed by in those times, whether it was for Vogue or whether it's this or whether it's, you know, and some are very deep searching. So you've had to look at yourself, what does it mean to me? Mm. And I've got to say, it does go back to that thing of where makeup, you can use it as a as a thing to enhance what you are, what all the qualities you have, not just the outward ones, or you hide behind it to mask something else. So either you mask it or you enhance. So they're both very much in me because I saw my mum, she would work hard, she would do that, and then she'd get herself ready. So I saw that power, there's a magic there, there's a something, it's, it's a really feel-good thing. Mm-hmm. And then I could see that sometimes and I saw it with myself when you're upset or you've been crying and you've been 
the, it's a very interesting thing you ask because probably one of the worst times of, of that is when Ruby and Millie came about in 1998 is when I was getting divorced. To everyone out there, it is a resounding success. Mm-hmm. Somewhere in me, it's also got blood money for me because mm-hmm. I've had to cry in the beginning like a horrible showering, crying, knowing I've got to go to Nottingham to see them because I've got to sign off this. Mm-hmm. And put on a bit of, because you've cried so much, you look like goldfish run. So you're putting a bit of ice, putting a cold spoon, putting a bit of a thing, using your mm-hmm. concealer, yeah. putting makeup on to just, just make you normal. Because people mm-hmm. don't want, they're going to invest in a big old brand. They don't want to see you all broken and crying. Mm-hmm. But I was. Yeah. So it was a tool. And thank God I knew how to use it. I was always skinny, mm-hmm. but I lost so much weight, I was less than six stones. I looked like my eyes were like gooky. Yeah. And that's all in the time of when you're about to do. And we were the face of Ruby and Millie. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to have to have makeup on, mm-hmm. <laughs> sell makeup, and look presentable where inside I'm breaking. Yeah. That's... So I know, I know the transformative powers. Yeah. And what it allows you, it gives you a crutch. Mm-hmm. And it allowed me to do that. And mm-hmm. it's not superficial because it feels good. Yeah allows you to put on a face to get out there. Tell me about Ruby and Millie. Well, um, before Ruby and Millie, because people always look at me because I was a jobbing makeup artist. Yes. But my husband then was in the fashion industry and had turned, you know, left the fashion business and went into beauty. Mm-hmm. Quite a lot due to my own influences. You know, me and him, we brought Aveda to this country, mm-hmm. Tweezer Man, Loxitan. We launched lots of other... There was a boutique magazine, all kinds of things we did. Right. With all the big key core people. So you were entrepreneurial. Industry. I was entrepreneurial on that side, but at the back of the commercial side, mm-hmm. I always did the creative. Because I would say to him, have you seen this? This is mm-hmm. what we should mm-hmm. be doing, or blah, blah, blah. We had all of that. And within that time is when I'm getting a divorce. Mm-hmm. And he had been speaking to Boots about doing a, a makeup range, you know, something. And... And I'd started appearing on TV, you know, I'd done a few things of 10 years younger. Before that, there was like Star Challenge, mm-hmm. um, Close Show, mm-hmm. all that kind of, all of these things come together, your skills, you know, that I didn't know that I was good in front of the camera, you know. And now I almost, not shy away, but when I see all the videos you can do, but I used to do them without even thinking. Yeah. Now I'm going to have to formally think how to do all these things. When again. you did, when you were doing TV, did because you know tv the minute a camera goes on you you look completely washed out did you put on a lot more makeup or were you told no, to do I that i think it was just i did my own makeup so i knew what to do i've always been probably less heavy-handed with the foundation anyway yeah and, and built up the other features yeah, yeah, yeah and then as more and more good products came someone like prescriptives came you know all yeah. that. so by the time we came to do ruby and millie which was an unheard of thing because it was a collaborative thing it was a Mm -hmm. partnership with somebody on the high street Boots Mm -hmm. they backed us it wasn't us we didn't Mm -hmm. raise the fund they they backed us Mm -hmm. and we were we debuted in Harvey Nichols and Selfridges how did the idea come about though it was it was just between me George and Millie chatting it's it's, it's, you brainstorm and you come Mm -hmm. out of something and you know Millie had launched Shilmora at the time and Mm -hmm. She used to work, she used to do all our PR at Aveda and all those other brands that we had. And, you know, it was like the shop girl element, the sort of consumer element, and then the expert was myself. 
but also for me. So all these things that people talk about, diversity, inclusivity, blah, 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 blah. We did it in those days without formally putting those titles, but that's what we had to do. Like yeah. imagine fighting with them to say, what do you, we only had 12 foundations, but to be able to say, what do you mean I can't have a foundation? And the founder and one of the faces of the, because it wasn't a model, we, didn't, mm-hmm. we couldn't afford it, so we just did us. And that, it was my brainwave. That, in that yeah. way, I was clever. I said, Millie, we've got to be the face of this so that they can't boot us out in two years. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. They kept us on for another how long because they couldn't boot you out because we were that. And it wasn't a marketing, marketing man's dream. We genuinely were. She was blonde with mm-hmm. that sort of look. And I was Asian with that sort of look that would cross over to dark skin. So, Yeah, and I really I remember that makeup brand quite I mean I was about 14 when it came out and I really remember it and I was saying to you before we started I remember the packaging and the click um the clicky eyeshadows and it was big it had three different distinct aspects so it had amazing packaging yes that wasn't it it still gave you that luxury feel Mm. it was available after after Harvey Nichols and Selfridges it was in boots so it couldn't be 30 pounds and things it was 10 Mm -hmm. pounds those eyeshadows and the lip glosses it had really innovative packaging Mm -hmm. it had fantastic formulas because I was a stickler I thought we have to have the best we can afford Mm. I think in some ways we were our own nemesis because we were so ahead of the time. Mm-hmm. But at least we pulled off something. And what were the myself. working hours like then? It was... I had to juggle because, you know, I still I was still a mum and a wife, you know, mm. and I, I valued my own family. So it was always a case of, you're juggling because yeah. you're rearing... Now, people timeshare. People, lots of people have children. Or I'm surrounded by all the people I work with now, whether it's my mm-hmm. PR, Jay, whether it's Leanna that works with me on brand, whether it's this or that. Everyone, they're, they're young, younger women than me, mm. and they have younger family. They're rearing their kids, you know. Mm-hmm. I didn't have that luxury. You couldn't go, you couldn't bring your children to a shoot. You couldn't mm-hmm. talk about it in that way. It was like, ooh, you're on trend enough. You were like, mum, oh, no, yeah. you know... It, you had to sort of not hide it. I never hid anything. Mm. I've, I've always what you see is what you get. Yeah, you have, I had that, but it meant that I didn't do all the drugs that were in the eighties and nineties yeah. because I had a little girl to go home to. Yeah, yeah. Also, it was <laughs> a different had, time where there was more of like a work face and a home face. Whereas now we're all it just merged. A bit you mingled. Get a face, yeah, I had to, you know. Yeah. If I did go out to the wag club or somewhere, mm. suddenly the bookings would come the next day because people yeah, obviously yeah. thought, oh, she looks good. Oh, she looks. Let's yeah. book her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, but yeah. I just all of that the yeah. other big thing is at that time the time like Pat McGrath and and someone like Di Kendall they went to New York mm. I also had that opportunity I would have either been Paris or New York and if mm. I'd done that I would also be like them mm. in that big thing but I chose my family was there ever a point at which you thought okay so I'm doing makeup and that's great but makeup isn't being an economist it's not sort of changing the world in that way. Did you always feel good about what you did? I always loved what I did. The passion is in my blood, in my veins. Mm. And you can do good. Mm. When you are, when you are, it's not just the one-to-one when you've just put on makeup and somebody say, that's a bride. You must know how that yeah. feels. Yeah. When you can see it in their eyes and you can see the, the confidence and mm. you've had a, yes, so we're not, doing rocket science we're not yeah. doing brain surgery but when someone is down when somebody has got cancer or somebody is really not well or somebody is really low down and you say come on let's cheer you up will you do something 
yes, it's not surgery, but at least I've got some skills to do something. Mm. And in the part of doing the makeup, it's not just applying it willy nilly. You're still holding someone, talking to someone, boosting someone. And it's part of a creative, artistic thing when you are doing great editorial. The buzz is like an artist or someone writes a fantastic novel or you watch a great series. It's a creative process. There's also another buzz, the commercial aspect. Mm -hmm. If it's a success, which Ruby and Millie and all the other things I've done before were a success, that money provides jobs for people mm-hmm. on different levels, whether it's a factory level or this level or that level or PR or this one or that one. Mm-hmm. So somewhere, that's probably why I got my MBE. It's not for my makeup skills. Right. It's for the contribution to the beauty or cosmetics industry. Yeah. So although I'm not doing something so literal, I am doing something, you know. Yeah. So I, I don't, I'm not ashamed. I put it on the level of, yes, it's not... I'm not, you know, I'm not bringing somebody back from life on an operating table like my dad might have done, but I still boost a life yeah. that allows it to be a better life. Tell me about getting your MBE. I wish my dad had been alive to see that I've gone to bucket. I took my mum, I took my daughter, yeah. my brothers were outside. So it would have been like, we've arrived, I've done good. Yeah. You know, although that makeup, he always thought, oh, yeah, after one year, I'd go back and do my master's, and I never did. And that I can make a living and look at what sort of a living mm-hmm. I can make. That. So it would have been, that was that. Yeah. And then another part of it, the, the sort of professional side, is exactly like I say. Now there are people in our industry that have been given that MBE, but we were one of the first ones. Mm. And I was one of the first ones at that time. I never think about it. Sometimes I never say it. And even the other day, I had to make up Elizabeth Day. Yeah. For you magazine and um she was she must have googled me or she was trying to follow me and then she saw mbe and she went oh, you never said i didn't know you're an mbe and it's not something i walk around tattooing on my brain yeah but then you suddenly realize and i think oh yeah and i feel very chuffed yeah. and i feel very proud if we fast forward to now yeah and you're working as a makeup artist still Still, I'm still a jobbing artist. Still a jobbing artist. And you do the same things that I used to do or the amount that I used to do. Yeah. I still love the work. And the day I don't, I will give it up. Yeah. And you've also just launched the brush that I have in my makeup bag, which is like a magnetic three brushes in a kind of one clever pencil shape. It's very clever. What made you think of that? Well, as I said, it's an evolution of all the things. Just your makeup bag. This is my oh. work, this yeah. kind of makeup bag. So, right. Uh, just for what you were talking about. So yes. let's bring it. We call it the magnetic brush. And at the end of the day, I did Ruby Millie and I did it with somebody. Mm-hmm. I did an interim thing called Ruby Hammer Recommends for Debenhams when they were doing their big beauty haul. Yeah. So this is finally now where I lost my mum seven years ago. Mm. And I thought are you ready to step into the arena again? And I really wasn't. I was yep. quite vulnerable and I had to take my time because I was, I was probably down, not depressed, but I was down and it, it was a oh. huge loss yeah. to me. And then a few years ago, I've, I've actually sourced this brush a long time ago, mm-hmm. eight or nine years ago, mm. and wanted to do it, but we worked out margins were too expensive, blah, 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 didn't, didn't do it. Mm. Tried to put it to be for, for another brand, you know, I'm very sharing like that. But then, mm-hmm. 
when I sort of looked at it about a couple of years ago and I thought, no, I think I could do something and it should be my name. Because yeah. I've got that window now. Yeah. And, pe- and it's uh, sharing the equity of people remembering Ruby and Millie, mm. blah, 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 you know, all of yeah. that. And it's the same thing. Simple idea. Yep. And you can see it's got three little yeah. magnetic heads. So they're really clever because you can switch them around. And it's hygienic, so you can. It's they're, mm. they're vegan hair. They're not. Mm. They're not bristles. Yeah. And you can use it for liquid cream, and powder. Yes, yeah, textures. Yeah. And once I've given them to you, or you've bought it, mm-hmm. I really want you to use it the way you want. I want to ask you three questions yes. to finish the podcast. I've asked. Well, actually, you've kind of covered what your biggest triumph is, <laughs> career or personal. So let's leave that one off. Um, what piece of advice would you give to your younger self if you had to? When I was young, I was. I was always an optimist and mm-hmm. I was pretty naive. Mm-hmm. And I think now what you realise is life, life is a lot of... It's not all sing-along and happy that you're all going to be giddy-happy forever. Mm-hmm. That it is full of ups and downs and letdowns, whether they're commercial, financial, emotional, every part, health. You know, I've lost both my parents now. There's all kinds of things. I've gone through a divorce. So I would say to me just... Be prepared, Ruby. Just be prepared yeah. and don't lose sight of who you are. Right. Integrity means a lot. So you've got your own, so you can't just sway and change. And mm. At least I know that whatever it was, I didn't expect it to be like that. Mm-hmm. But I haven't lost myself in whatever I've had to face. Yeah. And is there a way that you would get back to your core self? Because, you know, there are always times when you feel like you're being pulled away from it a bit because, you know, this demands your time or that. Is there a way that you centre yourself again? The way, I guess, I've been blessed in that I had wonderful parents. Mm. They really... I know Mm. I was unconditionally loved. Mm. And not everyone is um, Mm. privileged or, or blessed enough to have that mm-hmm. I've had that yeah from that I wasn't the most attractive of children or women or whatever you come so it wasn't about your superficial looks about that it was always I had don't lie do your best and it's okay to fail yeah try again you know all that but but I knew I was loved so mm. that I think whatever do it takes you straight back there I also have, it's not necessarily a religious faith, but I have, I believe in the divine. Mm. I believe in energy. I believe in something there. And I think it's it's a karmic thing. Try to be with everyone like how you would be. I do have mm. a loud voice because I'm slightly deaf. I, I, it sounds like I'm shouting at someone. It's not. I, really I don't like think that. it did. I don't know how I can tone it down. But yeah. in the end, I always want to treat somebody like I want to be treated. Mm. And that faith that bit of spirituality Mm. or whatever, that Mm. thank God I have that link, which was probably also nurtured by my parents. I have Mm. that. Mm. And third, to trust yourself. I'm still standing, aren't I? Yeah. I'm still doing something, but I haven't done it dishonourably because it's something I couldn't face myself in the mirror. Yeah, yeah. And it's not like I haven't had that in my family. I have. I've got. I have had it. I've had it at work and business. Let downs. Many many aspects. Mm. You are betrayed. You are let down. People say one thing, they do another, and you're shocked. But you don't have to succumb in to get into that low, mm-hmm. muddy, dirty waters. You yeah. can still strive to be the best you can. Yeah. And that's what I'd say, Ruby. Things are coming. Be prepared. Be yourself, it'll be okay. Yeah. 
Final question. Three people dead or alive you'd like to have at your dream dinner party and why have you chosen them? Selfishly, <laughs> selfishly, and this is where I would say, oh God, if I could just have my mum back at a dinner table and if she had a hand in cooking that meal. What would she cook? Oh, all kinds of things. She was a really good cook. Yeah. But they're, they're just... They're just uh, just to have her there that she could eat and that you know I've missed her for so long. I would love, mm-hmm. I would love someone like the Dalai Lama because I've seen him and I've missed actually seeing him live. Mm-hmm. I went to India once years ago and I trekked when I was sort of very low down, but I did this three week thing, and we just missed him mm-hmm. at the at at the Indian you know where his base is, uh, and he's got that smiley face and I I just want to think because. My dad always said, if you sit with not just clever people, but decent, something, somebody like that good, you, 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 you get a bit of good energy about. So I just want to see, because he's got that smiley yeah. face, and I'd love that. Spending think, time around good people, though, does make you better. Not, you know, it's good well, for you. This yeah. is, um, selfishly, I'm yeah. asking for blessings. Yeah. My mum's a blessing. Yeah. The Dalai Lama's blessing. And the third one is, I think, I think... Who would these two like so that it's not somebody that they wouldn't get on with? But yeah. I think someone that makes you makes you laugh. Right. Because I think the Dalai Lama likes to laugh. My yeah. mum used to like to laugh. Yeah. So somebody like that. And, I, and, I, and I'm really toying because all kinds of things go to my head. And I think, oh, no, you couldn't have that comedian. They're a bit inappropriate or they'd swear a lot, which I'd like. Yeah. I've got such a poo mouth. But yeah. I'm thinking, who else could I have yeah. like that? But it would be somebody like that that could make us... Have you got laugh. some suggestion? I don't, I don't know. I sort of go from someone like a, 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 like a, a Graham Norton to somebody yeah. that would ask things and get things yeah. out of us and give something. And he's Maybe like a shy. Stephen Fry? Maybe, but he might be a bit... He might be very esoteric, and yeah, you know, yeah. yeah, that's what I mean because he's got a lot like of tones, that. yeah. And somebody like that, okay. not just a slapstick, no, let's just be dirty and yeah, smutty. yeah, yeah, yeah. Like someone who's intelligent, have, yeah. I wouldn't have Borat, no, 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 no. <laughs> Although maybe Sasha Baron Cohen, <laughs> maybe him, yeah, because he's very clever. So, yeah, someone like Stephen Fry, somebody yeah. like that, yeah, that would give you that little bit of mm. you know, just hold it together, something, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Oh, well, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Mm. Mm. 